0: Welcome to Two Open Doors, the podcast that explores our power to open or close the doors of relationship with the important people in our lives. We hope you'll learn from and share your wisdom with our community. Thanks for joining us. In past episodes, we've looked at many different aspects of relationship. We've noted that relationships differ in terms of what the partners seek from the relationship and from each other, in how good an initial fit there is between them, that is, in their degree of compatibility, in terms of what each partner brings to their relationship, including both gifts and deficits of vulnerabilities, and in terms of how each partner experiences their relationship interactions at the physical, cognitive, emotional, and spiritual levels. In this episode, we'll look past all of this variation to discern that there is some regularity across relationships. We'll look at what I think of as the relationship life cycle. Using that as a framework, we'll see what stages a relationship can evolve through and what changes or transitions are available to the partners at each stage of a relationship. Note that relationship exists between the members of a dyad or a pair of individuals. Collections of pairwise relationships can form a person's broader relationship network. Let's start by thinking about six qualitatively different stages or phases a relationship can pass through as it evolves. One, before a relationship even begins, or after it ends, a person is in a state of seeking connection, assuming, of course, that the person desires connection with others. In that state, the person is aware of those around them and is receptive to possible interest in connecting with someone as a relationship partner. Here, we won't distinguish between the various sorts of connections that might be of interest. 2. Based on this awareness and receptiveness, the person may find that they feel attraction to a prospective partner. That attraction may be based on physical attractiveness, behavior, social connections, or any of a number of other possible attractive traits. A person can feel attraction for someone solely on the basis of what they can observe about that person from the outside, that is, without any significant personal interaction. The at-times-overwhelming emotional high of attraction is driven by the hormonal influence of dopamine and serotonin. The resulting feelings are responsible for the new relationship energy that often marks the start of a significant new relationship. 3. Once one feels attraction for someone... That attraction can undergo a process of deepening or becoming stronger. Conversely, early attraction can dissipate instead of deepening. During this early phase of relationship, the two partners can interact in many different ways, including sharing activities, sharing sensual or sexual experiences, having deep discussions, etc. The deepening process is driven by such interactions rather than by mere external observations, as in attraction. 4. At some point, if the relationship between a couple deepens sufficiently, one or both partners may start to feel a desire for the closer sort of connection offered by bonding. In that state, the partners may feel emotionally attached to one another, creating a desire for making commitments to one another. Commitment may take the form of deciding to be together more frequently or of making some arrangements for living together. It might also take the form of becoming sexually exclusive, or at least according some level of specialness to that relationship. Unlike attraction, which is hormonally dominated by dopamine and serotonin, bonding reflects the influence of two different hormones, oxytocin and vasopressin. 5. For reasons that we'll consider shortly, the tight emotional connection felt in bonding can become weaker over time. This often, or even usually, happens in the course of long-term relationships, though it can also be the result of events that occur during the bonded state. Infidelity is an example of that sort of event. I refer to the weakening of the relationship bond as a fading process. And 6. Finally, the weakened relationship may reach a point at which change in the form of the relationship is necessary. In extreme cases, such as in an acrimonious divorce, the relationship may dissolve altogether. In other cases, the relationship may simply change form, say, in a transition from a sexually and emotionally intimate connection to a valued but less intimate platonic relationship. Since all such changes result in a change to the relationship, I refer to this phase as morphing. Now that we've reviewed the six phases of the relationship life cycle, we can consider the options available to a couple or to its individual partners at each stage of the cycle. One. When a person is seeking connection, they may find individuals to whom they're attracted. If they find a sufficiently enticing person, they may move to a state of feeling attraction. 2. Once in a state of attraction, the person has two alternatives. First, if the attraction is sufficiently strong, the person may move on to a state of desiring a deepening of the connection. Alternatively, if the connection isn't compelling, The person may instead decide that the attraction was a flash in the pan. In that case, they return to a state of seeking connection, awaiting other prospects. 3. If the person has moved from attraction to desiring a deepening of the connection, they have several alternatives. First, they may remain in interaction with the partner for a long time. One can visualize such a situation as looping from attraction state back into attraction. At some point, the person and their partner have interacted enough that either of two things may happen. First, the person may find that there just isn't enough fit with that partner to warrant continuing the relationship. If that happens, the person returns to the state of again seeking connection, awaiting another prospective partner. And second, if the interactions during deepening are compelling, the person may decide to up the ante and move into a state of bonding. 4. Once in the bonding state, the person really invests in nurturing the relationship. Psychic attachment and various forms of commitment can take place. As in deepening, the couple may spend a long time, potentially a lifetime, together in the state of bonding. That can be thought of as a looping from bonding back to the bonding state. Alternatively, either partner or the couple may decide that they no longer wish to remain bonded. One partner may decide to leave, perhaps in response to a betrayal or some other incident involving breach of trust, which is poisonous to a relationship. A partner may also come to feel that the bonding relationship has become too stale or confining or unsatisfying. In any of these scenarios, the relationship moves into a state of fading. 5. Any of three things can happen within a relationship that is fading. First, the partners may jointly take action to renew and save their relationship. Often that happens with support from a therapist, relationship coach, or other helping professional. In that case, the partners both recommit to move back into their intimate bonded state. Second, they may remain in or loop back into the fading state for a long time. This happens in the case of bonded couples who are not content with their relationship, but for whom the devil that they know, that is, their dysfunctional or toxic relationship, is still preferable to the devil that they don't know or the challenges of exiting the partnership. Fear of the unknown or low self-image or other negative factors can keep them trapped in the relationship. This can be the case in long-term married couples who no longer love or nurture each other, but who find it morally unacceptable or logistically daunting to exit their relationship. And third, the couple, or either partner, may decide that the relationship no longer works for them. In that case, they need to decide what to do about their discontent. Six, finally, for those who have decided that their fading relationship is no longer tenable, They may move toward changing or morphing the form of that relationship. In some cases, when the relationship is deemed dead, the partnership dissolves and the partners either move back into a state of seeking connection or they give up on seeking connection. Alternatively, the partners can seek to salvage their relationship by altering the goals and expectations that define that relationship. That constitutes morphing the relationship into something new. As an example, a married couple may separate but remain friends, or a polyamorous couple may move from a sexual connection to a platonic friendship. To sum up, we've just sketched the complexity that relationships present us with. We all have choices, and that certainly applies as much to our relationships as to the other facets of our lives. It's good to understand the choices that are available to us at each stage of our relationship so that we can make informed decisions about what we want in our lives. In choosing responsibly, we maximize our freedom while also minimizing the avoidable negative impact on the lives of those we care for. To learn more about Two Open Doors and to engage with our community, I'd like to invite you to visit the Two Open Doors private Facebook group for blog posts and discussions and the Two Open Doors meetup group for events. I also invite you to contact me directly by writing to me at claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, at twoopendoors.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'll use your inputs to guide my work on future blog posts and podcast episodes. Thanks for visiting to Open Doors.